God's visible actions in history reveals his invisible triune nature, right? That we can see the way in which God has revealed himself to us is how he acts within the, the, the Trinity. And that, that, that is, a, is a beautiful reflection of how he's revealed himself. He's revealed, God has revealed himself in a way over time so that we can reveal, so that we can be who we are in that relationship. Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Sunday Recap. This is Chris McLaughlin. I'm the discipleship pastor here at Stones Crossing Church. And man, we got some friends here today. That's right. I'm excited. <laughs> so Friendship! Friends. Hey, uh, so first of all, to my right is... I'm Ariel Eldridge. Ariel, yeah. how's it going today? It's good. It's really good. Yeah, what's happening with you? Well, we just came off of Memorial Day weekend and 80 degree temps and Ooh. sunshine, yeah. right? It was so, hot yesterday. It was hot. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's sad that we are already there saying, it's hot. Yeah. But man, everybody's everybody's mood improves when it's nice outside. It's true. And I came in this morning, everybody seems like they had a good weekend. Yeah. So I'm glad. Yeah. So o- outside feels like Chris's office now. Yeah. You know? So yes. Chris has always got a heater going on like at all times. He's and a so. space heater user. I, I am. Now outside actually summer. feels like summer. his office. Yeah. <laughs> in the winter, it's like get three of those things in there and you yeah. can't hardly. <gasps> I mean, joke right. his well, office I, feels like a mouth. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Well, this next winter, I'm gonna I'm gonna start a fire pit in there. I think that's a good yeah, idea. Good. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Well, uh, Pastor Mitch is actually on vacation this week. He's he went to Florida. Yeah. So yeah. what up? I uh, hope you're having a great time, Mitch. But joining us today is Pastor Luke. He's our yes. student student ministries director, student ministries pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, man, so glad that you're here with us. Yeah. No, I'm out. I'm pumped to be on here and and, and pumped to talk about. Uh, the Sunday message and mess around and joke with you guys. So. Nice, yeah. yeah, totally. All right, so Luke, you are the uh, the student pastor. Yeah. Um, you run both Motion, which is our high school ministry, and Transit, which is our middle school ministry. Uh, so, okay, if you were going to give the elevator pitch mm. for why student ministry is critical right now, go for it. Yes, I would say the the elevator pitch would be this: is that students do a lot of things in community but sometimes fail to, to see, or in parents as well, that the most, com- the most important community that we have is, our, is those with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And students are being formed in so many different ways in this life, at school, about their thoughts about careers and life. And, and by like, that community that yeah, they're in. By that community. And that youth group is a community that should inform the student about who God is. Yeah. And that's the whole reason we meet, is that the whole reason we do anything. If we play a game, if we're worshiping, if we're going on trips, the whole point is to build an opportunity to tell that student and that community about who Christ is. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think that, I mean, students are making decisions about who they're going to be in their future earlier and earlier and earlier. And yeah. as sad as that is, that's the pressure of for those careers and for those things are being placed on them earlier and earlier and right. earlier. The pressure of yeah. it. Yeah. And Absolutely. so we want students of fifth to twelfth grade to know who Christ is, why Christ is somebody they should love, uh, who God is, why they're why they should worship, why they should raise their hands and sing praises to a God they can't see. Mm-hmm. Right. And that this is uh, to some students, they walk in absolutely foreign to them. To some students, they're like all for it. And, you know, we take that community just like we do on Sunday mornings and uh, we say, look, let's take this group and focus our eyes on who Jesus is. Yeah. 
Very cool. Thanks, man. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And then the elevator dings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ding. And I step out. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, well, Luke, I'm so glad that you're here today, and especially with what you're talking about there, because that is, I mean, really, that's what we were discussing on Sunday morning with um, with Pastor Scott's sermon. So we started a new series this week. It's called Friend Request, uh, social media theme, all that sort of stuff. And uh, today he walked through a little bit of this relationship between King David and Jonathan. Um so let's just kind of start here for a second before we get into the text. Who is David and Jonathan? Yeah. So Jonathan is the son of Saul, who was appointed king um, by God um, through the prophet Samuel. So that's why we're finding this story in um, Samuel's um, writings. And so so Jonathan is heir to the throne, right? So right. it would be passed down to him. Um, but he has found this friendship with David, who is also very, very special in God's eyes, as you would read about him in Samuel. And David is, at first, seemingly a... a um, a key player in the kingdom, Saul gives him his armor to go fight um, Goliath, mm. if you're familiar with the Goliath story. Um, and Saul's, you know, seems pleased with him. He he defeats Goliath and slays him. But I think that you see this ugliness start to appear in Saul's heart as he finds that David is more and more favored by God, even though Saul is also at the, at the moment favored by God. Mm-hmm. And it destroys him. Um, and so his son Jonathan actually, um, it says in the in the text as we'll get to here, his soul is knit to David. They are buddies. They are best best friends. Um, and so uh, it's an aw- awfully awkward dynamic when your dad wants to kill your best buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Uh, Jonathan being heir to the throne is now um, in this really great relationship with David who now that God is going to basically uh, depose Saul mm-hmm. and he's going to call David now to be king. And Jonathan is is actually kind of privy to that mm-hmm. as well. Like he recognizes, oh, this is what God is doing. And we're going to, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Scott talked about that on, on Sunday. Um, and so David eventually will become king. And um, honestly, the sort of the, the landmark king for Israel, like the the ideal mm-hmm. king for who uh, for for all of Israel, and and so ever since David leaves the throne, ever since he dies, um, Israel is constantly like over and over again looking for another king just like him. Like they're mm-hmm. just pointing back to like, man, if we only we can get another king like David, that'd be awesome, you know. So he becomes like this ideal uh, king over and over again. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I, I think something that's important to po- to point out about David and one and even Saul. Is that right? The progression of the Old Testament would tell us that this this type of kingly leadership, uh, monarchy type leadership, w- wasn't exactly the exact plan that God had for His people. Right? He was using right. he was using judges in the in these moments, yeah. and th- mm-hmm. that was how yeah. He wanted to govern His people. Yeah. And the people said, "No, we want to be like the other nations." Right. Mm-hmm. And so God, even in that in which man's rebellion, God's bringing about. The leaders, if that's how they're going to do it, and he would appoint uh, kings. He appointed he points King David specifically in this moment, right? Because, it, like what you said, people will point back, like, "We want a king like that." Yeah, and so that's kind of the the, the what the the tension 
beyond just Sam, uh, not Samuel, but but uh, beyond Jonathan and David and Saul, the tension was that this wasn't exactly how God wanted to have an appointed king. He wanted to, he he was leading by judges, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, just a unique time and, and a lot of things, the changing of the guard and, and things like that. That's where we kind of mm-hmm. find ourselves here yeah. in First Samuel. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's read First Samuel 18. This is um, just the first four verses is uh, where Scott, uh, walk, he walked through these first four verses in 18 and in 19. But let's start in, let's start in 18. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. So this is a a, a really fascinating passage for a number of reasons. We're going to dig into this a little bit, but I want to start in verse 3 with this idea of covenant. Um, it says Jonathan made a covenant with David. What is what is a covenant? Um, how do we how do we understand that? I, I feel like our culture just doesn't get what covenants are very well. Um, right. So what are we talking about when we when we mean covenant? Yeah, I, I think we we see this idea of covenant all through uh, the scriptures. That covenant, you know, between obviously man uh, and man here, but also between God and man, right? Mm-hmm. In all of the Old Testament, and I think uh, I'll have Chris. Give the distinction between contract and covenant, but the the covenant is a, a, a relationship in which either man and God or man and man make uh, something that that is bounding. They bound themselves together in this covenant relationship, and I think that's the something that's unique about. We don't do that anymore, right? I'm not, you know, don't get some blood from my hand and shake your hand, yeah. Chris, and we make a <laughs> we're gonna bounding like relationship. Cut, our, cut, cut the palms of our hands and yeah, shake hands. Right, yeah, we're blood brothers yeah. now. <laughs> no, but I think the covenant the covenant relationship that we see through the text all in the Old Testament and into the New Testament is a relationship that is bounding one together and that I have an obligation in which you also have an obligation if we make a con- uh, not a contract, but a covenant together. And so yeah. that's what I think we're seeing here is a covenant is an, is it, it's a promise, but it's something that it, there is expectations to be followed up by from that promise that in which is made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and yeah, it seems like the the contingency is usually life, right? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a it's a promise on life, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's high stakes. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. right, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think we our culture is so used to the idea of contract mm-hmm. because you know that's what we do when we buy a house and we sign up for cell phones and like mm-hmm. things like that. We we always sign contracts, and the contracts is it's really um, it's it's harsh because there's no relationship involved in a contract. Right. right. A contract is something where you know there's two parties and there's obligations for both parties, and if one of the parties fails to meet their obligation, the other party is no longer bound to. Uh, to keep their side of the of the obligation, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I think that's that's what we're used to. We're we're used to the idea of like, well, look, if you know, we think about God sometimes in that way. If God fails me, then I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. why would I why would I want to follow a God like that? Um, but what we're seeing here in a covenant is that God is. Uh, God actually makes a covenant with us, which was we're gonna we're gonna get to that here. But but here we we see this covenant between Jonathan and. Uh, and David, where they're saying, "Look, no matter what happens, you may fail me, but I'm never going to fail That's you. Right. I'm always right. going to come back." 
and um, uh, I'm going to be on your side. I'm going to I'm going to protect you and provide for you and all that stuff. And there's there's all kinds of uh, implications of that. Now, what are the, what what is the covenant that then God makes with us? Yeah, our covenant is now here on this side of of Scripture. We're under the new covenant mm-hmm. that uh, makes its debut in in the New Testament after the finished work of Christ on the cross. Yeah, um, and so ours is a covenant of grace through faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. And um, and therefore, all the sin that is in us and all the sin that we've done and will do is atoned for by the blood of Christ. Yeah. Um, so it's really kind of cool because God held up his end of the bargain and ours, mm. which I, is amazing. Exactly. And yeah. we see that in, in the Old Testament too, but um, its fullest form for us in Christ is amazing. Yeah, yeah. There's this really cool picture of that exact thing in Genesis, right from the mm-hmm. very beginning, yep. where um, so so God is talking with Abraham and he's about to he's making this covenant with Abraham. And the way that they did covenants back then is they would take animals and they would kind of slice them in half and they'd lay them apart from each other and you basically do. like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you would you and and this is typically a covenant that was between like a king like mm-hmm. two kings like a, a a king that was conquering another king or whatever and they'd walk through the bloody parts together and basically say um, if. I fail to meet my obligations. Let what has happened to these animals happen to me. That was mm-hmm. that was what the covenant really looked like and what it meant. And so what happens is is God tells Abraham to to go ahead and slice up these animals, set them set them side by side, and create that pathway. And so Abraham does that. And then here's the thing that's so cool is God mm-hmm. puts Abraham to sleep. Yep. And it's God Himself that walks through mm-hmm. the parts of the animals. Mm-hmm. And he, in, in essence, what he's saying is like, look, I'm going to keep both sides of the covenant here, yeah. yep. and and you have no obligation in in this. I'm the one that's going to do this for you. Um, it's 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 an incredible picture mm. of the grace of God. I want to point out just one little nuance of that that I thought was so cool. So the the cool thing about the three of us sitting here is that we got to take a systematic theology class together mm-hmm. yeah. at yeah. Indianapolis Theological Seminary. Um, and our professor was Stephen Wellam. Mm-hmm. In his book, he talks about how when God walks through that, he's getting his own self bloody mm-hmm. walking through. Yeah. Um, and what a foretaste of what he's about yeah. to do in Christ later. Absolutely. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. So yeah. cool. And, and just that picture of, and that's why I think um, even this covenant that that you know Jonathan and David it's pales in comparison to the covenant that mm-hmm. God makes with man, yeah. right? And 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 that God is consistent in making His covenants with man and being true on both ends. I think that's yeah. the separation between Him and us. I can't I can't do that, and that He can, and He proves faithful time and time again. Uh, and and I would say that Adam would be the the cov- the you know the the. The head, the covenant head of humans, but he conti- he even steps further in making that covenant with Abraham, which I think is specific that he will be faithful on both ends and yeah. will never fail to do that. Yeah, yeah, it's just grace. Yeah, <laughs> it's just yeah. grace. Yeah, so good. Just with that in in our minds in the background, we're gonna walk through Scott's points from the text here. And so the first point that he that he made was actually from the second verse that he that he talked about. This is from chapter nineteen. Um, so let's let's go ahead and read that. Would someone read First uh, Samuel nineteen one through four? Someone grab that one. And Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and all of his servants, but they should kill David. 
But Jonathan, Saul's son, delight, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, Saul, my father seeks to kill you. Therefore, be on your guard in the morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak to my father about you. And I will learn anything and I will tell you. And Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, let, n- let not the king's sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his deeds have brought good to you. Cool. Thank you. So Scott's point here was basically the reason why we need friendship, because here in this passage, what we're seeing is that, honestly, David's friendship with Jonathan honestly saved his life. Mm. Um, Saul was seeking to kill him out of that jealousy that we were talking about, and as he's seeking to kill him, Jonathan intervenes in verse 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, Jonathan tells David, Hey, um, watch out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What? Um, so, so one of the things that, that Scott, um, brought up in this is that we were made in the image of God for friendship. Mm. Um, and so what exactly does that mean? Like that we are made in the image of God for friendship. How does that all sort of connect together? Yeah, I, I think I think you know, and, and Scott made this point on Sunday, but it starts with reflecting our origin, reflecting our creation, right? Mm-hmm. Is reflecting who created us, and that's the Trinity, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and and the 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 relationship that they have with one another, we reflect that as His creation, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I think that um, you know, uh, uh, I think sometimes we think that okay, well. I accept Christ into my life. So my friendship, however he did it, I'm doing it. And that's true, but we forget our the origin. We were created by like in Genesis, let us make man in our image. Right. We 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 are the we are actually reflecting that relationship that the Trinity has with itself. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the core about how we, you know, in current quotes friendship, how we do that. All all is related about our origin and who we were created in the image of. That's deep stuff. Do you want to talk about the Trinity? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let's unpack it a little bit cuz so just just the logic of it, right? So Genesis tells us that mankind was created in the image of God, right? Yes. And so when so just Luke is what you were saying, being made in the image of God then says well, then we should know look to who God is mm-hmm. in order to understand who we are <laughs> and understand mm-hmm. uh, understand more <laughs> about that. So, um, which I think is so practical. I mean, when you think about all the different things that we look to, um, <laughs> you know, as far as like, we, we're, we're looking to TV and movies and culture and all this sort of stuff to try to identify who we are. But what, what, what scripture is telling us is like, no, we're, we're supposed to look to God to see exactly who we are. And we know that friendship um, and that relationship is at the core of it. So let's talk a little bit about that um, that relationship within the Godhead, within the Trinity. Yeah, I, I would say I'd say um, first that, that the persons of the Trinity never act alone in their doing; that they are mm. they are enacting together. Yeah, never divided. They never are divided. Yeah. The Spirit's not off on his own doing his own thing. The, the Son is not off. Right? They act together, and in that unity, in that communion. They love as they love one another are enacting in love. That is a pretty good picture of how we are to act in friendship and in love. That we reflect that in that communion, that communion and community that they have with one another. We reflect that in how we do life, how we do friendships. Right? I wrote down that that 
that we reflect the Trinity when we delight in friendships because we are we are doing a type and shadow, a picture of that community that they have with one another. Right. So. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing too. I mean, going back to Scripture on understanding who the Trinity is, I think is is key because we cannot we cannot know God apart from truly know who God is apart from Scripture. Mm. God reveals Himself to us certainly in nature, mm. uh, but. That is just enough to condemn us. It's not <laughs> enough to uh, uh, to give us the full revelation of God. But He has um, given us not not extensive, not um, uh, exhaustively, but extensively. Uh, he's revealed Himself to us in uh, in the Holy Scripture, which is which is awesome. So we can always go back to see who God is in that. Um, one aspect of the Trinity I think is really important is just the, the idea that the persons of the Trinity are really who they are. Because of one another, like let's let, let's let's just kind of pick that apart for a minute. Um, so the Father is by nature the Father, but the Father um, never ceases to be the Father, and He didn't start becoming the Father at any point. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. um, and He's always a Father, but He the only reason that He is the Father is because the Son, mm-hmm. uh, because He has a Son. And so what that means is that the son, number one, is eternal, uh, has to be, has to have always been the son because um, that relationship demands that the father would always be the father, the son would always be the son, and then they would have that relationship with one another in eternity. So they're always who they are. Uh, It sounds confusing, but does that make sense? (laughs) Am I making sense? (laughs) No, that that, that makes clear sense. I I think that has to do with with some things about our relationship and how that, you know, we reflect that in doing that as I am not a friend without a friend, right? Right. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a husband without a wife. My my title as friend goes oh so far to me actually having a friend. Yeah. The same with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think the Apostle Paul even picks up on this interdependency idea, like it's the idea that um, who we are to one another um, as as humans here even reflects that idea Mm -hmm. there, um, that, that we actually need one another and that as we are in that relationship with one another, that helps define who we are. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, in, in fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it's a really interesting argument that Paul makes. Uh, this is verse 11 and 12. What, what he's doing here is he's talking about men and women um, and how our, our relationship, and I don't think he's just talking about marriage relationships here. I think what he's talking about is interdependency within the body of Christ, with everybody, yep. because immediately after this is where he's going to get into the church and spiritual gifts and all this sort of stuff. But um, but what he's getting to here is this idea that men and men and women are interdependent on one another. Um, and so listen to his argument. He says, he says, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man nor man of woman. For as woman was made from man, so that's an allusion back to Adam and mm-hmm. Eve, right? So the woman was taken from Adam's rib, right? That's where, where she was formed from Adam's rib. For, so he says, for as the woman was made from man, so man is now born of a woman. Now, every man is born from a woman. So there is the the origin of both men and women is interdependent. Mm. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. And so he's he's getting into this idea that we really need one another mm-hmm. um, and how critical that is. So I think it's, um, and that's a reflection, I think, of of that Trinitarian aspect mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. 
I think it's a reflection of what um, eternity will be like as well, of, of the body being together. Um, and I just love it when a church embraces the, the, the um, incorporating incorporation of women and men together in ministry. Mm-hmm. And I just like, I value my, my male friendships here on staff as we co-labor in Christ together. Um, I'm not who I am in Christ without my brothers in Christ. Mm. Um, and I hope that they would say the same about Absolutely. their sisters. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah>. Absolutely. <laughs> but um, this really makes me think of a story that C.S. Lewis um, kind of spelled out. And and so C.S. Lewis was uh, an author. He's super famous. He wrote um, uh, The Chronicles of Narnia. And um, he was part of a writer's circle that included J.R. Tolkien and um, who wrote The Lord of the Rings and then Charles Williams. And in the story, Charles Williams dies unexpectedly. Um, and and C.S. Lewis says something that's very interesting about um, about friendship. He says, in each of my friends, there is something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I'm not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights than my own to show all his facets. And now that Charles is dead, I shall never again see Ronald Tolkien's reaction to specifically a specifically Charles joke. Far from having more of Ronald, having him or to myself, now that Charles is away, I have less of Ronald. In this, friendship exhibits a glorious um, nearness by resemblance to heaven itself, where the very multitude of the blessed, which no man can number, increases the fruition which each of us has of God. For every soul, seeing him in her own way, doubtless communicates that unique vision to all the rest. Basically, what he's saying is that um, it took a community to know an individual. Um, and so, how much more would that be for us to know? Christ and to know God is to be in community together, um, reflecting the Trinity yeah. together. And Ariel, I think it's so important that we connect. We, we connect this emphasis on friendship and how, because Mr. Williams wasn't alive anymore, it affected who the other two parts were. Right, right. Guys, I think it's important for, the, for those of you guys that are listening is that the church functions in a very similar way. Mm-hmm. That my the way we do friendships and delight in friendships because of who God made us, who we who we are in the image of who He is. The church functions in a very similar way that the church suffers if one brother or sister isn't committed or isn't uh, or, or is falling into sin or, or right just isn't present or just isn't yeah. present. Right, the church functions in a similar way that as we gather, we are we are being the bride of Christ together, mm-hmm. not the bride of Christ behind a screen, not the bride of Christ. Uh, individually, but God has called us. And that's why we felt the aches and pains of the last 10 weeks. Oh, yeah. Because when we couldn't be that, it's not that we weren't the church, but the church, uh, the way that God has 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 made it, has has uh, has made it so that we can be the church together, mm-hmm. right? And that we grow as a whole. Yeah. The individual grows as as a whole grows. Right, and I think right. that's a, that's a beautiful picture and reflection of what Scott was really talking about within friendships. We do that on a miniature version within our friendships. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Well, Scott's next point was, what does real friendship look like? And he pointed out three characteristics. Um, we don't have time to kind of walk through all of them, but but I, I do want to point out a couple. So he, I mean, he said that what he sees in this text is a common priority, right? So David and Jonathan really had a common priority in their 
um, ultimately it's in their faith um, that they, that that was the foundation of their friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, and but but they talked about how they were both valiant warriors, but they were both in reliance on the Lord, uh, being that being that warrior and things like that. Um, so I do want to unpack that just just briefly. Um, so why is why is having a common priority and especially a common priority in faith uh, so important for us as as believers? And or m- maybe the inverse question is more helpful. Why <laughs> why is having friendships where that's not mm-hmm. there so destructive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think uh I think two specific things is one like Pastor Scott mentioned this is that like um not to be unequally yoked uh, with those who are in your inner circle yeah, if yeah. you will. Those are who your close friends. And I think the reason for that is is because we are going to push one another to be more like Christ. Mm-hmm. If Ariel and I are in friendship and we're one of mind leading each one and growing towards Christ, then I'm going to call the things out of her that aren't of Christ. Yes, we've yelled in the car. It's yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Well, We're stronger. Ariel calls it yelling. I call it just talking. He's talking. <laughs> <laughs> He's using his normal voice. Right. But but I think that's so important because you know I, I the second point is I go back to Acts two forty two of having all things in common mm-hmm. within the brothers and sisters in Christ within friendship. And he's not speaking about coming from the same high school. He's not speaking about looking the same. He's not speaking about having the same family. He's not speaking about earthly things that are in common. But the most important thing is in common, so therefore everything is common. Yeah. Is in common, and that's mm-hmm. in Christ. Yeah, and that's a really important uh, aspect to our friendships. Yeah, I think Scott um, brought up Matthew, where he says to seek first the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. and all the things would be added to you. So right. um, that's the common goal. Yeah, I love the, the that Second Corinthians six passage as well. So like it's talking about do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. We ended up digging into that passage quite a bit in the Haggai study two summers mm-hmm. ago. Um, what a what a really critical passage that is um, uh, with all this. But but I mean the question that I think we come to with this is does this only is this only apply because typically we apply this to marriage only. Mm-hmm. Um, is this applying just to marriage or is it, I mean is this Every relationship that we should have, should we should we shun unbelievers? Like, how? Do, I mean, how does this work in a practical sense? Well, I, I think this is once again. I hate to use types and shadows all the time, but it's a reflection of how Christ takes our burden and says, "My, my uh, take my yoke upon you, because my burden is easy and light." Mm-hmm. The reason it's easy and light is because He, I am, I am. I am of one with Christ, that He's actually taking my burden upon His shoulders. We do that within friendships. That if we are, if but if we are un, uh, of one of mind, if we're divided in what's most important to us, we can't do that for one another. We can't take one another's burdens and lay them and, and pray for them and 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 be with them and help them. Does that make, does that kind of make sense? That yeah, connection? Yeah, I think it's important to have. Um, people surrounding you who are going to um, lift you up when you fall um, and not just let you lay, um, you know, like the good the good Samaritan. I mean, he had no idea that the Samaritan would be the one who would, would rescue them. They had very little in common. Um, but when you are both focused on Christ together, um, all dissimilarities um, fade away and don't matter. Um, and so... Yeah, I, I think that's beautiful, and I love that you are are hopefully building that into students. Um, that while we're not taking our eyes off of unbelievers, um, we are pursuing them and pursuing relationships with them, 
it is so integral to have, um, you know, just a few around you who will um, sharpen you and bring you um, to life and show you where water is and where yeah. to find bread. And say and say things to friends like, it hurts me to hear you say things like this. <laughs> Ariel, have I ever said that to you before? <laughs> he might have. He might have. Oh, man. That's just a sister in Christ right that's there. That's right. We sharpen each other, and I think that's that right. that's good. I would love to have um, a wound from a friend rather than someone who is um, is meaning destruction for me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that's part of the priority here. I mean, when we look at what what Paul is writing here in 2 Corinthians 6 about being unequally yoked with unbelievers, the next sentence says, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? And the word partnership there is that word uh, koinonia, and that mm-hmm. is this this very close-knit, um, sometimes it's translated fellowship, sometimes it's translated you know community. It kind of has all of that um, kind of wrapped into it. And and truly, it is this idea of your your closest relationships, those that you are basically going to covenant with, mm-hmm. you know, that you're going to be living in covenant with. Um, those are the ones that you want to say, I, I want to reserve that special relationship for those that we have this common priority, that we uh, believe um, the same thing, and we are going to... Um, encourage each other and spur one another on. Mm-hmm. And so David and Jonathan is a great example of that for sure. Um, and I think for us, I mean, that certainly includes our marriage relationship, mm-hmm. um, our, our closest friends, things like that. Um, I'd say there's there's a little bit of a strategy there of of looking at even business partnerships. Like it, I think when you're, when you're dealing with Christians, I think you, that you know what you're going to get or what you should get. Um, versus when you're dealing with the world, um, mm-hmm. and and uh, it's cutthroat, you know. <laughs> and so, I think that's why it's so painful sometimes. Whenever we have seen someone in the church or in business practice who is a Christian, um, and we feel betrayed, like they've let us down, because they lost sight, or you lost sight of that common goal of of seeking the kingdom first, um, and we just get wrapped up in our own personal um, gain, and that's when it crumbles. Um, and that's when covenant crumbles. Absolutely. Absolutely. Another one of the things that Scott talked about, about real friendship is selflessness. And he pointed back to 18, um, second Samuel eight or first Samuel 18, four, mm-hmm. because this is where Jonathan takes off his robe and his armor and gives it all to David. Why, why does he do this? Why does he give all of his stuff to David? I think it symbolizes the fact that he knows that David is God's chosen and he's willing to go with God's plan and God's will mm-hmm. over his own. And, and Ariel, that's, I think, the key, that even for the things in which you were just saying before that, is like, he if he was submitting to his own plan, he couldn't do verse 4. Right. But he's right. submitting to the plan and the will of God because he knows the, the plan that God has for them. Right, right. Right? He's not being dismissive. He's not thinking of his own. If, if Jonathan's thinking of himself in that, same with business relationships, same with friendships, even in this moment, if Jonathan thinks about himself in that moment, he's not giving him the rope. Right, because he's supposed to be the heir. Yeah, he, 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 he's supposed to be next in line for, yeah, for the throne. He's sabotaging point. his opportunity to be king. Yeah. Right? But he's submitting not just to David, yeah. but to the will of the, of mm-hmm. the Father. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like that is the kind of the main takeaway yeah. <laughs> I mean, when it comes to the way that we interact in our relationships with one another is this idea of of selflessness, uh, continually submitting to the will of the Father, laying our our lives down, our what we want down, over and over again for mm-hmm. for for others. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's bring this back to the Trinity. Mm. How do we? Because we're if we're 
in this relationship reflecting what the Trinity does. How does the Trinity do this? Ooh, this is this is good because the Trinity shares in one will, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. so um, Luke was talking about how they don't act separately from each other. Right. Um, do you want to talk about essence and energies? <laughs> sure. I just think that's helpful. Like there, there's some vocab that um, that we recently gained around this that kind of helped me kind of just picture, wrap my head around the who God is. And God's essence is who he is, is makeup, um, all of his 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 true character, um, his perfect qualities, and then his energies are how he works in the world um, and his, and the things that come from him. Um, and so when yeah, I think it's like about who he is, yeah. what he does, yes, yeah, who Thank he is, you. what he does, even yeah. even simpler. That's so great. And so we see his essence being one in the Trinity, mm-hmm. and his energies being um, different in the personhoods of mm-hmm. the Trinity. Um, and so that kind of just helped me understand that they are all equal. The Son is not eternally submissive to the Father, um, and the Holy Spirit isn't off on his own, just mm-hmm. like this tiny thing that gets forgotten all the time. Um, he is one with the essence of God, but his energies in the world, the Holy Spirit acts in ways um, that the Father um, maybe doesn't, but with one will. Yeah, and I think you see this uh, in terms of energies and how in which they act w- w- act on the world and in the world, Mm -hmm. you know, you see the spirit, right? And the spirit is there to bear witness to who? The sun. The sun. The sun. Yeah. Right. So yes. That's why the, that's why the word always points to Christ. Amen. That's right. (laughs) That's exactly right. Before and, and after Christ. Right. Yeah. And so the spirit comes and is sent to bear witness about the sun, right? That, that is his goal. That is his mission. That is Mm -hmm. who he is at the heart of all things that he does is to bear witness to the Son, Mm -hmm. right? That they are, yes, interwoven in one, in the will of God, but they're acting in different different ways. Mm -hmm. So I would compare this to the church. I don't know if this is a heresy, and I may head down and you guys be like, no, you can't say that. (laughs) But I would compare this to the church and that we have one common goal, um, that is Christ and seeking the kingdom first. Mm -hmm. But each of us acts differently in the world because we have a different role. Mm-hmm. Um, each person has a different role. And um, we see this in Corinthians about like the body having many parts, but all are one, and that the, the body can't do certain functions without the other, the other pieces. Um, and that's just who we are. We were created to be that way. Because imagine what we would be like if we were all created completely full and complete in ourselves. We'd be even more full of ourselves than we already are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I need, I need a friend who will sharpen me in the ways that I am incomplete. Mm-hmm. And, and um, God has provided what we need in his word and in the community that, in which we um, are part of. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think to Chris's point and and to Ariel's point that God's visible actions in history reveals his invisible triune nature, right? Mm -hmm. That we can see the way in which God has revealed himself to us is how he acts within the the, the Trinity. Mm -hmm. And that that is a a beautiful reflection of how he's revealed himself. He's revealed, God has revealed himself in a way over time so that we can reveal himself. So that we can be who we are in that relationship. Yeah. yeah. Again, it's the whole idea of like who we are is bound up in who he is. And so we have to look to him. Mm. We have to keep looking to him to see 
more about who who we are to I, understand I think our own it. identity. That's it. Yeah. The connection is with Tolkien and with with um, uh, what's his name? Was it Williams? I can't remember. Williams, Williams. Yeah. It, it, right? Because they're they lost one, their relationship can't be the same. Is true for us. If we do not have a relationship with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that we don't give our lives to Christ and are, are trying to be more and more like him, we lose a part of ourselves. In fact, we can't be our full self without the relationship with, mm-hmm. with, with God. So I would refer back to Scott said over and over on Sunday, um, show me your friends and I will show you your future. And if our friends reflect the beauty of our, of our triune God, then that will be our future. The way that the Lord really reflects this whole idea is through His Son, Amen. through the through the work of His Son on the cross. Someone who selflessly gave Himself um, for us and did so uh, by the will of the Father, mm-hmm. right in the power of the Spirit. Um, that that He uh, surrendered His life for us, and that's and that's where this all goes. And in a lot of ways, it, it makes us. Um, that that one act helps us to understand the relationship uh, within the Trinity, and then the, the way that that relationship should play out in our own life. Mm-hmm. Just playing that out over and over again, it's a constant surrender. Uh, it's a constant self sacrifice. So I think about it with you know we, we see that reflected in a marriage. Um, marriages work great when it's it's about how can we sacrifice for one another. Mm-hmm. How can I lay my life down for my wife, and how does she lay her life down for me? That's that's the the the, the constant thing that that we're that we're working on, right? <laughs> that mm-hmm. we're always trying to do. Same with kids, um, you know. To be a, a parent, it is a surrendering of your life. Um, so Luke is a brand new parent. <laughs> I'm trying to learn that aspect. Yes. Yeah, yeah I'm not all the way there yet, but yeah. I'm trying. Oh yeah. So sleeping, uh, yeah. we're laying down our sleep. That's right. We're laying down yep. the things we want to do when mm-hmm. we get home from work. That's the, right. Uh, you know, from from moms out there who are at home, um, you are laying down your life constantly yep. for your kids, um, and and so that is a, a a constant thing. And I think children, children, uh, our relationships with our parents are the same thing. It is a laying down and a surrendering of what we want to obey and honor our parents, right? right. It, it, so relationships always come back to how do we play out what Jesus did for us over and over again in practical ways. That's right. So what I'm thinking is um, if you're someone out there listening today who is um, feeling like you just don't have a good friend um, maybe you have lots of acquaintances. Maybe you have tons of Facebook friends, um, but you don't have someone who is in um, in a relationship with you who's willing to keep their eye on the prize with you and sharpen you and build you and point you to Jesus. Um, then I encourage you to just pray in faith and ask for it. Ask for it. Mm-hmm. Um, ask for God to send people into your life who will um, who will reflect His character onto you and and to whom you can do the same um, because it will mold you and shape you, but it will also also carry you through um, rough stuff, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I'd say too. I mean, part of it is a little practical. I mean, you if you don't have a friend, right be now, a friend. Well, right, but but you have to put yourself in a position where you're going to meet some people exactly. as well. So yeah. I mean, here at church, yeah. I would say um, women's ministry, 
Moms Crossing, getting into a D group, coming this fall, men's ministry, mm-hmm. um, re-engage is a, 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 an awesome marriage class that we're going to have uh, going this year. So I'd say find ways this summer and this fall to get connected to people at church, mm-hmm. uh, people that are going to share that common priority. Um, I'd say, you know, another really great way to get connected with people is serving. Um, yeah. Serve in student ministry. Yep. Uh, Amen. <laughs> serve, serve in children's ministry. Um, find ways to get connected um, where you can serve shoulder to shoulder mm-hmm. along with other people, and you make great friends when you're sure. serving alongside one another. Mm-hmm. Yep. And one more shout out to student ministry that um, and children's ministry that um, anytime you're called to like grow in your faith because you have to teach people younger than you. You will learn exponentially more Absolutely. than you ever bargained for. <laughs> Absolutely. So cool. Yeah. So, cool. yeah. so yeah. worth it. Well, church family, thank you so much for, for listening today. We hope that this has been helpful for you as we unpacked this uh, this first uh, sermon from the series Friend Request. We're going to be back next week with sermon number two on this. Um, I'm excited to see what Scott has to present to us on Sunday. So um, one other quick thing, we know that some of you guys are are coming to church. You came to church this uh, last Sunday, which uh, it was great to see your faces, even though they were under a mask. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but we know also that some of you are still home and uh, sheltering at home, and that is totally okay. Look, um, uh, wherever you land on this thing, we want to make an opportunity for you to connect um, to uh, to interact uh, with other people, with other Christians. And so reach out to us if you need help with that. Um, in particular, Ariel, uh, mm-hmm. that's that's yes. your role. It's so, my role. Yeah. Ariel at stonescrossing.com. Send me an email because I would love to help you. I would love to see where you're at, what your um, what your options are as far as like sheltering in place and all that. But we've got all kinds of things going on here at the church. And we just know people that mm-hmm. we'd love to, love to um, help you meet. So yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, hey, thanks for listening, and we hope you join us next time on the Sunday Recap.